So Brill, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, like what your story is and everything in between? Yeah, so my name is Emma Coffey. Uh, I'm now a final year student in commerce, hoping to graduate. <laughs> and I'm also the founder of Final Bend, which is an eco activewear company. Um, our whole thing is that we have colourful but affordable sportswear for people who you know, want to support eco companies, but then don't really have the budget because it is kind of this you know, choice that has been pushed back onto consumers that you have to be super conscious about your buying, but obviously um, eco-conscious clothing companies are often really expensive. So we kind of do things that way where we're affordable and we're eco and we sell funky sportswear. And then I'm also the co-founder of UGC.ie, which is this authentic marketing company where we pair up creators who are actually just real people uh, with companies and we essentially make videos of the company's products in use by real people um that's the fast version of me anyway brilliant yeah no I'm fascinated and I love that idea like you say of kind of making eco clothing more affordable because I was literally thinking that today um now I certainly wouldn't be um like completely sustainable in my clothing by any means like I still shop in Zara and the likes but I would love to make that change um most definitely but like that I'm a graduate and like money is the key thing like it's just too expensive um so even today like I was on the Zara website because their sale is this evening and I was like oh my god I'd love this I'd love that but then I'm like I feel oh my so god, bad is the Zara <laughs> sale this evening <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know and I feel so bad because I love their clothes but I'm like at the same time, you kind of see the way the environment's going and it gives me, like personally, it actually gives me a bit of anxiety. Not that I'm doing that much about it, but at the same time, I'm like, I would love to be doing more in my choices and stuff. Yeah, so that's the issue, I think, at the, at the centre of the whole fast fashion like debate, really, is that, yes, you know, everyone in theory wants to be a better consumer. However, the cards are stacked against us because what's affordable to us is Shein, is Zara, is H&M and what's not affordable for the average person are you know is going into Brian Thomas and being like okay let me let me do let me buy my vests you know like yeah so um so that's the issue like at the heart of it is that it's often not a choice that you're making to be not sustainable it's that you're making a sustainable choice for your budget which could be Zara and it could be Shein and it often is um like even Zara these days has gotten really expensive like you're paying 50 euro for a dress where maybe three years ago you're paying like 20 to 30 euro um and I feel like across the board it's not like wages have gone up to match that so again like the customers still feel the pinch which is just really unfortunate and like again just to my point the odds are stacked against us so I suppose at final bend then um like it was just really about making sure that as a person who has a limited budget myself I'm only in you know college similar to like all of my friends I couldn't justify making clothes that I couldn't afford myself or similarly my friends couldn't afford um and like I often say that sustainability in Final Bend is very holistic because, you know, sustainability should include pricing. Your price should be a sustainable price for your customer's budget. And it's not sustainable if you're asking someone to pay like 150 euro per, for a pair of leggings because, you know, that's like that's not sustainable for them. So uh, so I think that that was always my approach. And then. You know, I'm in the position where I am both the consumer and the business owner. So I can make those choices in line with, you know, what I would like to be doing as a customer. Um, and that is essentially not having to make the choice. Like I don't want to have the onus beyond me to be super conscious and save the world. You know, it's such a nice idea that you could make those choices. But essentially, like at the end of the day, it's the businesses that, um that have to implement more eco practices in order to make a bigger impact. Totally. I totally agree because it's like you say, I remember one day, I'll never forget it. And um, I was wearing something and it was from Sheen and someone was like, oh, where do you get it from? And like, I'm just somewhat embarrassed. I'm 
like because obviously there's so many outrageous things said about Sheen and I was just like oh my god it's from Sheen I feel so bad like I shouldn't be promoting this but like I do really like what I got I was like I was so yeah. shocked by the quality etc and then she was like yeah she was like you can feel bad but realistically is you not buying Sheen going to make any difference on the environment and I was just like oh my god like as in that is just not I what know. I needed to hear <laughs> I, like, yeah. I don't need That's any more encouragement I need to believe it's making a difference because otherwise there's no incentive but it's like you say it's the big businesses are like you know the onus is nearly on them from the perspective that you want the impact you want there to be an impact so like like you say it's only kind of in the masses that we can be able to do that then yeah no a hundred percent um and like there's nothing there's nothing bad about um you know saying like oh I have this from Sheen either and because sometimes I think like I do these um talks or stuff and people you know almost then expect me to be this amazing customers never once like bought spray deodorant or you know like going through life super eco-consciously but I'm not I feel like I'm just again like just normal I'm trying to uh, make conscious decisions and sometimes yeah the conscious decision for you can be the cheaper alternative and there's nothing wrong with that um and yeah like that's why again it's just more um more onus should be placed on companies to make sure that um their practices are eco and they're not adding unnecessary waste to the environment um so no I don't think you totally. should feel bad well I think like surrounding these conversations transparency is everything like and at the end yeah. of the day it's like you say I don't think anyone who has an eco brand can turn around and be like oh, I'm perfect in all these areas xyz because like I think even myself there was something I learned massively in terms of like being environmentally conscious for businesses like is it's not a matter of turning around tomorrow and being like I want to be more environmentally conscious I'm going to start using like better materials because like there's actually so many facets to it and I think that's what I like things I would never have even considered before are like such having such a big impact in the environment in terms of like how are your materials being shipped like what packaging are they using are they packaged as they come into your warehouse um like things like that you know um that would kind of never cross your mind but equally make a difference in the environment I suppose so there's a lot to consider like when you are kind of aiming for your brand to go in that direction I suppose yeah so it's it's really looking at it from that holistic way again so um things to consider are definitely you know where where is the factory situated where the material is coming from is it from down the road to that factory or is it from like a continent away because a lot of times um there's this like big stigma around having your manufacturer be based in China. I'm fully aware because one of our manufacturers is based in China. And I, I sometimes feel like a bit bad then when someone asks me, oh, like, where are they made? And I'm like, China. And they're like, oh my God. But it's the difference when where are material compositions from? It's the recycled plastic bottles and recycled nylons. They're sourced down the road from that factory. So, I mean, like, it comes it comes down the road into the factory gets produced and like our factory meets um the gsr which is the global or yeah global recycling certification so gsc grc anyway one of those and um so they're like they go through rigorous checking and everything the alternative that i think people often really want to hear is that oh this was made and put together in europe but the reality of that is that the material was sourced in China, was then sent over to, say, Portugal. It was put together and then it was sent over to you again, which I mean, like, like, which is worse type thing. And oftentimes the um, manufacturer in Portugal adds on, um, well, you VAT to consider, they'll add on VAT. Um, and there's, there's a lot of other thing, com components that go into making that process really expensive um the first one is obviously it gets shipped twice and and this there's yeah as you said there's so many things to consider um literally down to what the material what material is wrapped in the clothes as it arrives to your house or how did it get to your house we opened up click and collect recently enough because so many of our customers are based literally around us in a little bubble where we always felt like we could frisbee their order out the front of our warehouse and it would <laughs> arrive into their garden however we ship with DPD. So in the, um, in the afternoon, our orders would all be collected. And we thought in our innocence that they were, say if someone um, bought it in Cork, it was just going from us to that person. Yeah. But no, it goes from us to a depot in Cork. 
then that nice a massive articulated lorry will pick up all of the DPD uh, parcels from that depot, bring them up to Athlone, even the ones that are based in Cork, they bring them all the way up to Athlone. They then take them, unload them out of the articulated lorry. They go onto a conveyor belt. They get sorted. Then that same parcel that is meant for just down the road from us will go back onto a van up in Athlone, come all the way back down to that same depot in Cork that night, now marked with, yeah, you've been sorted, you can go out tomorrow. It'll stay in the depot and then it'll go onto the back of a truck or sorry, back of a van, realistically, that will then deliver it to that person's house. It happens really quickly, the whole process. So it's something that you don't really consider. Where were you in the last 24 hours, like looking at your little parcel? But it's done 400 kilometers since you've last seen it, even if even if we just um, ordered it back here. So it's really it's really crazy when you think about it on that whole level. So. Um, so we brought in the click and collect so that we could kind of um, uh, mitigate against that, I suppose. But again, it just leads to this whole, like, you know, every, everything adds emissions in this That's day and age. And it is hard. And like, you'd, you'd keep yourself up at night if you really, really like got out yeah. <laughs> every single thing. I can actually imagine because like, I think it's like you say, there is that expectation out there on businesses if they're like, you know, saying if they're kind of mentioning sustainability, talking about it, that like you say, they're going to be perfect. And like, how can a business be perfect when it's like you say, these things are happening that we aren't even aware of? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm actually shocked by hearing that story because like, I thought you were literally going to say it's shipped to the depot in Cork. And I was like, oh, that's bad enough seeing as like, you know, Mm. and then you're like, it's off to that loan. Same with on post, actually. Same with on post. It's it's really crazy. Like you could put an air tag in it and all of a sudden at like 12 o'clock midnight, tonight our packages are all pinging up in Athlone you know which is it's it's weird like that's absolutely crazy and like out of interest then I suppose how have you approached sustainability within your business I mean like you say kind of like things like that I mean I'm it's I'm sure it's not a matter of like oh shit our packages are off to Athlone let's set up a kick and collect by tomorrow you know like there's obviously processes involved and like you say there's kind of like opportunity cost to consider um in certain areas like you kind of gave the example of your manufacturer and stuff and the materials but like how have you I suppose gone about the whole area of sustainability because it is so topical at the minute and I'm actually fascinated that your business is interested in that because um that wasn't really the reason I had you on but like now that you're talking about it I'm like that's fascinating to me because I actually did want to get a sustainability guest on um because like that I think people are unaware and once you start having the conversations hopefully we can make some bit of a difference um and make people a bit more aware and kind of give them information and insight and actually at the minute kind of with the area that I work on accounting there's a lot of um kind of standards and stuff coming in next year particularly around the environment which is great it's all going in the right direction but um yeah sorry I kind of went off on a tangent there how is your business kind of implementing sustainability and kind of keeping on top of it as well or kind of pivoting as you go yeah so the first pivot that we made was around 2020 and it was the material because for me that was the most tangible thing that I could think of um, obviously it's integral to the business like what is your clothes made of so an easy switch that we were able to do well I say easy like it took a year and a half but it was change out um, the material components now I'm lucky in that the main component of sportswear is polyester or nylon with elastane added which is just stretch so if you think of um, your running tops that are kind of loose and flowy, they're going to have something with nylon in it. And if you think of your leggings, they are probably polyester. They could be polyester nylon if they're super buttery and like smooth feeling. Um, So what I was able to do is to find um, material compositions that were made from recycled plastic bottles that was spun into polyester, because that's what it is. It's just plastic. Polyester is plastic. Um, it obviously doesn't look like plastic when it's in um, thread form, but we were able to then make fabric out of those compositions. So that was the first thing. Second thing was we had been using plastic mailing bags because they were cheaper. So a lot of these things come with A, economies of scale or B, 
you know, you, you'd you have to have a very um, high ticket product to be able to enforce these. So economies of scale allow you breathing room with your manufacturers to bring in these differences. Um, they don't give you a markdown, contrary to business class 101, but you have breathing room. So you have um, kind of conversation space really like oh we're working with you on a big order let's make this change and they'll make it for you or like you know you can have good client or a good um manufacturer relationships there and then and then having having deeper pockets or a higher ticket item um obviously gives you that leeway to enforce change we didn't have that so we had to wait till we had higher quantities before we could start bringing this in um so for example just to put that into perspective with the mailing bags I was able to order a thousand mailing bags that were plastic mailing bags and have them branded they'd cost maybe like five cents you know each one um and when I made the change over to recycled paper and recyclable um mailing bags that were you know they look like the Zara ones our ones look like the Zara ones now they're just brown paper but they have our branding on them and everything I had to order 10,000 so you can see the disparity there between um, a small quantity order that's maybe less eco and then making a conscious effort okay we're going to do this it's going to cost us more we'll buy more we'll just commit to this so that's what we did and uh, that was the second thing then the third thing was well if you've got an eco product in an eco mailing bag that's all great but oftentimes the eco product comes in a plastic bag inside of your mailing bag, you know, just those like throwaway plastic bags that come in every online order. So it was really annoying me. I was like, guys, like, let's make a change here too. So we brought in um, plant-based mailing bags so they're compostable now. So you could actually like take the bag that your leggings came in, fill it with soil, plant a tomato seed in it, shove it on the ground, like it'll be good. Well, don't quote me on that, but it should in theory. Um, and and that was like another way to to mitigate against you know just unnecessary waste another thing we did was we brought in an extra layer on our mailing bags which is a sticky layer which meant that if someone did need to return an item to us we were just able to have them peel off the extra sticky layer and use the same recycled mailing bag to send it back to us and they didn't need to bring in plastic into our warehouse uh, which was a relatively small change and then Another change is that, okay, so we were getting eco products in eco bags and then they were being shipped in these cardboard boxes that had a plastic sheet lining and each 25 pairs of leggings were wrapped in plastic and then there was each 50 were bundled together in plastic. So we changed them, we asked them to um, use scrap fabric, so essentially when they cut the leggings, sometimes there's leftover fabrics and it's long and stretchy. We said, sorry. Sorry, I think I was just getting a call. No, I should put good. this on. Do not disturb. Um, but yeah, so that's on. Sorry, one second. I'm just putting this on. Do not disturb or otherwise nope, it will happen again. Not at all. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, so just back to what I was saying there. So basically we got them to cut these long strips of the leftover material and then tie it together, you know, just with fabric that was being offcut from production and 25 pairs of leggings instead of using plastic again. So it's kind of a load of small changes over a period of time that have allowed us to say like, oh, we're actually, we're doing the best that we can do. Um, we're still a small business and there's more that we could do, I'm sure. And as we grow, we'll do more. But at every step of the process, we're making positive changes and we're taking steps in the right direction. So that's kind of like where we're at. Totally. No, and I think it's amazing because like at the end of the day, um, you can correct me on this now, but I'm sure it's you doing a lot of that research into like, OK, where are the issues or where can we be more sustainable? Like, I mean, you don't have people behind you being like, OK, this is where we should make a change and we can do this. And like, this is where we can pivot. Like, that's all you on your back. And like at the end of the day, um. I think there is kind of like people are changing in that like they they would say our generation I suppose is a bit more environmentally conscious but at the end of the day I'm sure that's like an added benefit to your brand as opposed to like one of the primary reasons why people buy from it too I mean like you know like you say kind of the shorts are great they look great like you know and a lot of us can be swayed by that it's like me and the Zara idea that like yes I'd love to be more sustainable but you know when their clothes look so nice it's hard not to either if I'm going to a specific event or whatever else you know um I like to look good so 
just in terms then of like, I suppose, what inspired this whole journey of entrepreneurship? Like, when did your business start? Like, when did you found it? And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I started Final Bend in 2018. I was in fifth year of secondary school. And at the time, I'd been in athletics doing pole vault. Um, and I was training all the time, like before school, after school. It was essentially like my life. I was doing only athletics. And that same year, unfortunately, I hurt my back and I couldn't like compete anymore. So I wanted to stay connected to the sport. So I'd also, you know, having done so many competitions over the years, I've noticed that there's this gap in the market for firstly, affordable athletics wear. Secondly, like colourful athletics wear. And then thirdly, to have a shop at the competitions that I was competing at regional level. Um, when you got to All-Ireland level, there was always an athletics wear shop. And I felt it was kind of sad that the people who had done so well as to get up to the Munsters, for example, weren't able to buy a jumper that said Munster Athletics on it. And, you know, that might be the triumph that they had, but they couldn't commemorate it with the product, uh, which sounds very commercial at the moment. But like that was essentially the idea. Um, and it was such a thing for all these young athletes. If they did get to the All-Irelands, that they would always buy something out of this shop because it was a signifier that, hey, I got to the All-Irelands. And um, so I was not really competing or training I liaised with Monster Athletics and I pitched them my idea uh, I called the brand Final Bend after the last turn in the athletics track and the most motivational point in the race where it's not yet done like everything's still to play for you're on the final bend um, and they were happy with me to like go ahead set up a, a shop I set it up in Nina and Tipperary <laughs> Um, didn't really know what I was doing, but the brand grew from there. So it grew really into a niche athletics wear brand up until 2020 uh, when COVID hit. And when COVID hit, my main target customer, who was the bystander at these athletics events, did not exist anymore because the events did not exist anymore. So I had to get creative and it was either adapt or die, so to speak. So I looked to go online and we had had a website. However, we weren't well known at all. We like barely had social media. We were really just this kind of entity that existed only in that one space. So when I decided to try the online thing and try e-commerce, I had no marketing budget. Um, what I could do, though, is set up a TikTok and make videos about what I did. And it was kind of cool because I was in college and also in my part time, like trying to have a business. So people related to the videos that I made in those early days, 2020. And I ended up um, kind of racking up a slow following. And then the 12th video that I posted got half a million views. And overnight, um, Final Ben's website sold out. I was writing all of the thank you cards by hand. And it was like really long. Thank you so, so much for this order. It so much. <laughs> um, and I didn't even have a label printer. So I was writing the addresses by hand too. And I can't even read my writing sometimes. So I don't know how they even like receive their items. Um, and yeah, it was a justification to me that if I pursued this with this style of organic marketing, it could work. Um, and it did. It really worked from that time. So it was probably June of 2020 till year end. We grew exponentially. So I probably made like 10 online sales up to that point in that year. And I was doing like 80 sales a day then the rest of the year it was insane and um, so <laughs> hard to keep up with but um I moved the business then out of my bedroom and into the pantry too <laughs> big moves big moves big, huge moves yeah huge <laughs> um, and that was yeah that was 2020 uh, and it wasn't really actually until 2021 20, January that I got the first office and it went then really quickly first office um, second office warehouse you know all of those changes came because I needed to make them right at that moment like I was buying um, we counted up the stock order that I did in like 2021 and I had um, like 5,000 items coming in it looked 
like uh, I think there's there's a couple of pictures of it on my Instagram I think but for probably ages down and it's um 369 boxes came through um they were stacked really high and I had nowhere to put them so I had to go from not having a warehouse to having a warehouse really quickly because I literally had these boxes coming in that could not be housed anywhere else <laughs> so many boxes um so yeah praying it doesn't rain <laughs> out I home. know this is the thing because I had made a verbal commitment that I would take on a warehouse at some stage um, and then I had ordered all of these things not thinking that they would ever come really because I was like oh yeah like life isn't real nothing counts um, and then all of a sudden they came two weeks early which in manufacturing speak never happens like you never get an order come two weeks early uh, I had been in a office space that was upstairs it was up two flights of stairs so three <laughs> 369 boxes and they're huge heavy boxes like huge um <laughs> like it, it was a no can do situation um so yeah I leaned on some nice people and said can I please please have this warehouse like right now I need it right now um and it worked out yeah thank god well like it's I actually one of my questions for you was like do you think it was kind of like You'll probably say a bit of both, but was it like hard work or luck when it came to your business? But it seems to be kind of like the perfect storm in terms of both, like the way you had said, you know, it obviously seemed at the time that it was such a disaster that like COVID had come around, like for so many businesses, but in the way you pivoted, then it actually enabled you to like reach so many more people and kind of get your brand to the level you, 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 you may not have envisioned, I suppose, to begin with, but it's obviously amazing now. Yeah, because you never want to say that COVID was a good thing because it yeah, wasn't a good thing. Totally. However, it facilitated me to work around what would have been obstacles in another like time. So college, obviously, I, I wouldn't be able to work full time throughout the day if I was enrolled in college as it like as we know college to be, which is lectures during the day. However, in 2020, lectures were online. So I could access the lecture and be packing orders simultaneously without either affecting the other and I think not that again COVID was a good thing but again it did facilitate me doing things differently so yeah I suppose you could definitely call it luck there's there's things that were just lucky and like happened um like to benefit final bend but at the same time you know if you went back and I was in college like things I don't know if things would have progressed the same way who's to say yeah totally and I think like I mean, it's easy to say look as well, I think sometimes, but like at the end of the day, like when you were in fifth year to go about like, you know, meeting with the Munster team or committee or whatever you had mentioned and then like going about setting it up. And like we said, the logistics involved of like actually designing your first product and what is it going to look like? And like, how are the materials and like liaising with people, like you said, in the likes of China who were like working off different hours, et cetera, et cetera. You're in school, leavings are coming up. I mean, it's actually insane. Like it's actually crazy to think you yeah. managed all that at it's once. It's so funny. <laughs> and, and then in, so going into final year, um, obviously Final Bend grew from 2021 through 2022 um, and going into final year then I had this idea to start another business called UGC.ie um, just because I had so much time on my hands well at this point like when you look back Final Bend was never really meant to be a business it was something that I started as like kind of a hobby and um I had no business plan really that said, okay, in five years time, I'm going to be a college student working 19 hour days just to keep <laughs> things above board. Like that was not my intention. However, it happened that way. And I think a lot of it was down to our marketing, which we did kind of in this super authentic way. And you'd see a lot of it now today because um, storytelling marketing is the new thing. Um, like, we grew off the back of storytelling marketing or storytelling style marketing. Other businesses have grown that way and I'm sure into the future more will. Um, however, just because we did all of this at a zero euro um, client or customer acquisition cost, which is unheard of in the industry. Like we acquired like 20,000 customers that way with spending nothing in marketing. Like that's bizarre. I realized that I probably had a skill set that was 
suited to marketing and that I could help other businesses with. So I pitched the idea to start UGC.ie to my sister, who's a medical student in UCC. So equally, she had loads of time. <laughs> and we we set about making this network of real people who were able to make product and news videos for brands. Um, and it started just this year with Final Bend being one of the clients and one other company. And then in January, so in January we had two. In February, we had 15 clients in March. It's like, what comes next? March, we had 50. Um, and it's just grown really crazily at a crazy rate, but it's really fun and really cool. And, um, and now we have two companies that work out of the same space with kind of the same team um and it's really exciting that's that's the new thing yeah it sounds yeah it's it's great I love how different it is as well you know um like it's cool that you kind of like you said are kind of using all your skill sets like the first one kind of incorporated the fact like you were so into athletics to begin with like that's how the idea originated and then this one is so different yet I can imagine you kind of learned a bit in college and stuff surrounding marketing and stuff which definitely like helped in that area but um, in terms of like the business model then for UGC, like how does that work essentially, I suppose? Because um, that was one thing I had read up on it and I had seen and I was like, it's such a great idea because like, it's like you say, there's businesses out there that are looking to grow, but don't want to have to pay like 10 grand an influencer to do it. And the fact that like influencers are influencers, I suppose, um, have big practice big brands approach them like that they can then afford to price themselves at that price point considering they get it from other people they're like if I can get it from x why can't I get it from y etc but like yeah. you say for small businesses I suppose who might necessarily have the skill set that you'd have had um to market your business the way you did like how does it all work yeah so that was the that was one of the founding reasons that I set it up because influencer marketing no longer works for smaller companies it's unfortunate, but it's true. Um, so when you think about influencer marketing, you're relying on an individual's influence to gain new sales, question mark. And that was always kind of like the belief or, you know, you would pay them and hope that you would get sales in return. You weren't paying yeah. them for no reason. However, in in the years then, that line just kind of got a bit gray for some reason where they were still asking the same wage, if not more, so 10 to 15 grand, but their followers weren't interacting with every ad being like, yes, thank you so much for telling me about that. I am buying that straight away. So now if you do decide to pay an influencer 15 grand, it's not off the back that you're thinking or yeah. almost being guaranteed you're going to get sales because there's no contract that says that you will. You're doing it for brand awareness and how much brand awareness or what's the value of brand awareness? Does it cost 15 grand? Is that the value of brand awareness? So to me, I would say no. <laughs> um, and like, I know a lot of clients have tried influencer marketing because it seems like the thing to do next, you know, they've done their own marketing. Maybe they've run some ads and what's the next thing to do? Influencer marketing. And they've gotten burned by it. Like they've lost thousands of euro in like brand awareness because unfortunately, as you mentioned, um, these influencers do have price justification from larger multinational companies where the likes, I always give this example of Dyson does not rely on like Joe Soap from Ireland or like totally yeah, yeah, to yeah. get sales that day. That's not how it works. So when they pay the 15 grand, they are like, I just need to check a box to say that I'm covering the Kerry market. Um, yeah. and, and it's really hard then as a small business to put yourself up next to Dyson and say, I can spend that on the back of not getting sales in return. So if you take influencer marketing then from a small business perspective out of the picture because it's not feasible, what's left? There's a demand on social media that you post more. There's also a demand on, by consumers or prospective consumers that you are more authentic. They want to see real people, real bodies, and um, different body shapes than different demographic, different age demographics. All of these new requirements have all come in. But for the small business, there's been no one come in and say, well, this is the solution. Like, we'll help you here. Um, and in seeing this, then I realized, well, what if I just brought together a load of people 
who fit all of these demographics first that need to be like fit into. So mom with kids, um, person who's six five, person from Carlo, you know, um, like man from Carlo, woman from Carlo. Um, and and then and then had them be able to create video content at an affordable um rate. So so that we could then come back to a client and say, well, if you're looking for a video of your tan on a guy from Carlo, we got you covered. We can also um, have a look at your consumer base. Oh, there's a load of girls from Wicklow who buy your tan. Perfect. We'll make sure that there's a girl from Wicklow in the next video. That's the way we kind of work it. And then you're able to get video content really affordably, really quickly, and um, and with Irish sounding voices if you want. So it's really cool, yeah, and it's really it's fun. The business model is essentially um, having an introductory call with the client, seeing who their customer demographic is, and then deciding um, what they want to showcase within their demographic and to who and on what platform. Once we figure that out, it's just a case of sending our content creators the product um, and giving them a video brief. And we we take it from there. Then we have in-house editors who like finish up the job. Cool. And then like out of interest, is it like that you would charge them or they would be willing then to pay a small fee, which would then go between like you, let's say, and the influencer or like, is that how it works or... Yeah, so they pay for the service and like the rates are so much... Uh, lower than you know what you'd pay obviously well obviously influencers they're lower than what you pay like a photographer and a model they're also lower than what you'd usually pay for a production company um and the um the content creators get um i think they they get about 50 percent um so like they're they're well compensated and then we're able to also like pay our team too because we have the video editors etc um so it's really cool it's like this yeah. fun side hustle that a lot of people have now and we're able to facilitate it while also growing our own client base we have uh, a lot of um clients at the moment but we're always looking to take on more so <laughs> amazing and then how would you source let's say your um content creators i suppose or the people you'd approach to like you know advertise whatever brand comes to you then so that's actually we've been lucky in that they've come to us all this time um we we are really well placed in that there's an acronym user-generated content UGC and we're UGC.ie so usually people who have created video content before and are looking to get into making video content kind of for money um will look it up and find us automatically and they fill out their contact form and we onboard them um Equally, then, like tomorrow, we're in a studio um, because we want to create an ad that will incentivize people to sign up and equally let clients know that we're like taking on more clients at the moment. So that'll be another way um, on which we can get in more creators, but also more clients. amazing I think what I love about the idea it's like you say it's kind of connecting the two which I think is what a lot of brands can actually get wrong no matter like how big or small is like this person has the biggest following let's pay them whatever we need to stunning but it's like there's a complete like mismatch in terms of what that person represents and the product that they're then advertising and the whole thing just comes across wrong like that's happened me so many times on Instagram where I've seen someone advertising something and I'm like that is in no way related to you or what you represent. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just in, it's in this like random kind of sphere of the brand feeling like they need to do more, but being confused on what yeah. that is, literally. Totally. Yeah, there's just this added pressure because everyone else is doing it that they feel they need to be in on the yeah. space as well, which is true. But like you say, kind of the fit is everything, I think. Um, so yeah, and then in terms of like, I suppose you mentioned there that you were in college, obviously, and but you had started the business before you went to college. Now, I understand it mightn't have been a, at a point before you started college, like that you could have been like, I'm going to pursue this, won't bother with college, might go back to it in a few years kind of a thing. But like, how did you kind of, I suppose, make the decision to follow through with your degree? Because I think as you saw the growth within your business, it might have been very easy to think, I'll put that in the back burner for now, give this my full focus and then come back to it at a point if I want or need to. Yeah, so it's a question I always get asked and I do talk to schools too, um, which I get asked the question every time. 
unfortunately, there's a stigma that, uh, and it's not just in Ireland, it's actually, I think, quite general, a general stigma that in order to have a successful business as a young person, it is only successful if it facilitated you dropping out of college or you not doing college or you dropping out of high school. And like my answer to that was always, but like, why? Why would I not just try and do both if I can, if I know I can? Um, And I always knew I can. This was the thing. Like there was never a point in time where I thought, um, oh, I'll definitely not be able to do college because I have this because I don't think I would have ever gotten to that brain space it was always a side hustle when I was in secondary school so when I transitioned into wanting to go to college and I'd always known I was going to go to college there was never a point where I said that won't be able to happen because I have a business it was always it'll be cool when I'm in college that I'll also have a business so I think it's really just more about the mindset of like wanting to still actually pursue education and like feeling the need for it there's so many things where if I hadn't done a degree I fully just wouldn't have known how to like do something <laughs> like for example um I only ever had one proper job and I was there for like a month and it was literally a server in a waitress uh, a waitressing job in Cork I never had a proper boss like yes I had a boss for a month but how would I know about like you know something small like um like how would I how would I know how to do that if I hadn't given myself the opportunity to learn in college um and that's literally what the degree is there to teach you similar account like accounting is the same um and these are really integral parts of running a business obviously accounting is so important wouldn't have known how to do that if I didn't go to college um so yeah so I think my answer to that is always well like why why would I like why would you cut yourself off from the ability to grow your information base and your knowledge base on a topic that is going to directly help you so a hundred percent and I I think like people can be so quick I feel like you're so right in what you're saying that there's this narrative out there you kind of look at like Stephen Bartlett or like you look at you know um Ben Francis from Gymshark and you're like oh like they left college that's what I need to do college is a waste yeah. of time I learn I learn all my lessons in the real world <laughs> like there's yeah. very much that narrative out there I find and um like it can be quite toxic I find in a sense like 100% if that's their story like go and tell it 100% but like the younger people then who are listening to that and thinking that's what I need to do now that's how I'm going to yeah. be successful at life and like you know it's like you say you actually do learn a lot within those degrees and I'm I'm the exact same like I did business in UL and like I would 100% say I learned a lot from it and like a lot of what I learned in it kind of inspired me to go on different paths on my journey and bring me in different places that I might not necessarily have like ever considered had I not done it you know um it's like you say everything is kind of an area in and of itself particularly when it comes to business that you need to be aware of yeah my main like thing I think that stands out to me on that whole topic of college dropouts being super successful is that you only ever hear about the successful college dropouts of which you only ever hear a few like just there you mentioned a handful which I would argue are the handful that exist maybe sorry I think that was connecting to my earpods um maybe like we could add in um obviously Mark Zuckerberg huge advocate (laughs) for it there but other than that like the success stories are success stories. They are the 1% that did not go to college or say dropped out when they saw a different opportunity and were able to make something really good about it. What you don't hear is the other percentage of people who would have loved to go to college, but probably, you know, like there was a, a reason that they couldn't, maybe it was a financial reason or there was a barrier. Um, and then and then you just don't hear those stories of their success. And and it is like it is sad, but unfortunately, um, you know, there's a there's a portion of people who probably would have loved to to go to college, but but again, like there was a barrier to them going to college. Um, and maybe then they did create a business and it was successful. However, there's also so many people who went to college and have amazing, successful businesses uh, that no one really talks about. Um, I think the the cool part is that I just happened to do it when I was in college, which is a bit different. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very much so. And then going forward, do you think like 
do you have a plan? I know there's nothing worse when you're in fourth year and people are like, do you have a plan? Because that, like, I remember me and my friends used to be allergic when people would ask us, we'd be like, no, like we don't have to have life figured out now, go away. <laughs> I know, it's so scary. Because <laughs> no, the answer is absolutely not. I feel like I've gone through my life at a very accelerated pace because at this point now I feel like I'm overdue a midlife crisis. So I'm going to have one this summer. Uh, I'd say realistically, um, it's going to be up in the air for a while because definitely up until this point I always had two things going on I was always doing education with having a business so I was always super busy the idea that next year I will only be doing having a business is sickening I think that's why subconsciously I started a second business because I'm just the type of person who cannot sit still so it'll be interesting to be able to grow both of them I wouldn't say without having to do college because as I said before, like I did college a very weird way where I did it like in the nighttime. So, um, and I'm really good at cramming. So, <laughs> so I don't think it impacted like me going to work that much. But, um, but yeah, I think next year, realistically, I'll probably be in Dublin um, trying to grow UGC and have a base there. But I'll also equally be down in Cork because at the moment, the working plan is split my time between both of them, both Final Band and UGC.ie. And also both being in Dublin, being in Cork, it's probably going to make me hate my life a bit. <laughs> but um, I feel like I need to feel as though I'm stepping forward into something else along with all of my friends. Um, because if I just stay here and I'm just not doing college anymore, to me, that feels like a step back. So that's what I'm trying to do. I like keep stepping forward, figure it out along the way. Definitely. No, that sounds like a great plan. Um, well, I think that was kind of like, there's a, there's like, I'm sorry, I keep looking over here because I have so many questions. I was like, I really think <laughs> no out loud worries. and I'm like, because nothing's worse whenever I've done podcasts before and I've come off the call and been like, oh my God, I should have asked them this or I should have asked them that, you know? Um, but out of interest, actually, because someone asked me this in terms of like, I suppose the, wor the world is very different now, the environment's very different now. And I suppose you didn't set out with the intention of becoming an entrepreneur, which I don't know if there's anyone do, you know, um, they kind of, it seems a lot of people just fall into it. And I think I previously had someone, Anya Kendi from Smooth Company on my podcast as well. And I think one of her biggest points was that she kind of said, it can be lonely, you know, and there are a lot of people who've kind of spoken out about that, how lonesome it can be because you're essentially running your business by yourself. Now you do say your sister's involved, which is great. And I think yeah. Anya is actually the same to be fair. Um, but in terms of like who you surround yourself with then, do you have any like friends who are entrepreneurs or are you just very much like winging it alone, doing your own thing? Or do you kind of, are there even like resources that you use as an entrepreneur that have been a benefit to you? Yeah. On the am I alone doing it? I think I'm in quite a privileged position where my family have always been super involved. Like, to be fair, I had the business on the kitchen table for a good year and a half there. So like they were it was forced inclusion. Um, but we also I, I had to move into the first office during COVID, which the five kilometer um, like guideline or, or, or something was in place. This office is really close to my house is what I'm saying. So we're just down the road. Like oftentimes my friends will just pop in. Um, most of the time, one of my friends is here, if not another friend. So they're really, really involved. And I think that comes from me having this base. I know Anya is a bit different because she doesn't have that base. Um, she operates with a uh, um, fulfillment company, which is something that I did not even know existed when I was like setting up a warehouse but um but yeah so in, in the loneliness space I haven't felt that just because I'm so surrounded either like by my family or by my friends anytime we do pop-ups like my friends will be there and um our work team is so fun like that you know it's not it's not lonely for me before it really was when it was just me doing this it was like tears to mom every evening what am I doing like what am I doing should I stop um and and I think it's a lot of the time it's just naivety and feeling like your own decisions aren't the right ones because when you're younger you always have had someone telling you if it's right or wrong what you're doing so say for example in a part-time job like the decision doesn't fall on your shoulders if you mess up it's okay someone will fix it for you Whereas what I found the most stirring was that if I messed up, it was me, like it was my shoulders that everything was going to fall on. And equally, the, the fault would be mine. 
um, the consequences would be equally mine to deal with. And I couldn't just like hide away and say, oh, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Like it was kind of my own fault. So I think that was where the the loneliness, but for me, it was kind of like fear crept yeah. in. And then in terms of um, uh, having a network, I think I'm in a business center. So there's a lot of different businesses around, like it's a warehouse park or business center, whichever. Um, and they've been super helpful. So like there's a network of just people here who um, are really supportive. Um, we're the only like girl business. Well, actually, no, there's a, there's a new clinic that has just opened up. But for a long time, we were the only female business. So we painted the door pink just to make a statement. <laughs> make a point. <laughs> and, and yeah, the, the other resources, there are loads. There are loads of resources. I haven't really availed of them because I've been in my college bubble where I had equally loads of resources. Like I was on yeah. a scholarship um, program. So I had a lot of resources and help just from that through college. Um, but now that I'm in the real world, I'll actually have to like act like a big girl now and <laughs> try Start and using go them. out of life yeah <laughs> and out of interest when you said you did commerce in college like do you think you'd always have done that had you not had your business like was it something you were always interested in or did that kind of arise because of kind of the route you felt you were going down and like I suppose the joy you found in your business when you started it um so I actually <laughs> I did the leaving cert in the hospital I got really sick like two weeks beforehand and it's not really like I think I've I only told the story like twice and once was yesterday uh to the evening <laughs> echo which is funny and out. <laughs> they just they just sent me the draft um last night and like they've opened it the first line is like oh like literally bang in there with the leaving sit in the hospital shock but, factor uh, I know yeah so anyway, <laughs> I did the leaving sit in the hospital and up until that point I really wanted to do law plus business which is a dual course in UCC however because I did the leaving sit in the hospital I <laughs> I didn't have the prep work for that two weeks that I really wanted I was also really sick so I had like an IV drip hand in one hand pen in the Fuck. other um like I was in the hospital like in the hospital bed and um and it was an experience like doing leaving so it's quite an experience but um but I think it just proves that everything happens for a reason because I didn't get that course but I ended up doing fine I thought I'd have to repeat everything I did fine I got commerce and it was just another like weird situation where commerce ended up being the perfect degree because I it was only 12 hours of um, lectures a week, which is like nothing. <laughs> so I was totally able to like do my other interests, let's call them, um, throughout college time. Amazing. Brilliant. Well, I think that's kind of like everything. Um, I kind of, again, a few random topics here and there. Like sometimes I have questions right now and I don't even end up asking like five of them because I kind of oh, no see where the conversation goes. But is there anything else you'd like to add or anything else you'd like to say like that you think I didn't touch um, on? I feel like to be fair, that's probably covered like everything. <laughs> I could tell you about like my first steps, but they're probably not that interesting. <laughs> 